Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Lots going on there. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is May the 19th, and on this day, in 1588, a massive Spanish fleet known as the Invincible Armada set sail from Lisbon on a mission to secure control of the English Channel and transport a Spanish invasion army to Britain from the Netherlands. In the late 1580s, Queen Elizabeth supported the Dutch rebels in the Spanish Netherlands, led King Philip II of Spain to plan the conquest of England. A giant Spanish invasion fleet was completed by 1587, but Sir Francis Drake's daring raid on the port of Cadiz uh, delayed the Armada's departure until May 1588. The Invincible Armada consisted of 130 ships and carried 2,500 guns and 30,000 men, two-thirds of them soldiers. Delayed by storms, the Armada did not reach the southern coast of England until late July. By that time, the British were ready. On July the 21st, the outnumbered English Navy began bombarding the seven-mile-long line of Spanish ships from a safe distance, taking full advantage of their superior long-range guns. The Spanish Armada continued to advance during the next few days, but it was ranked was or thinned by considerably by the English assault. On July 28th, the Spanish retreated to Calais, uh, Calais, France, but the English sent uh, ships loaded with explosives in the crowded harbor, which took a heavy toll on the Armada. The next day, an attempt to reach the Netherlands was thwarted by a small Dutch fleet, and the Spanish were forced to face the pursuing English fleet. The superior uh, English guns won the day, and the Armada retreated north to Scotland. So 1588, and here we see technology actually winning the day <clears throat> uh, against the Spanish Armada. Battered by storms and suffering from a lack of supplies, the Armada sailed on a difficult journey back to Spain through the North Sea and around Ireland. By the time the last of the surviving fleet reached Spain in October, half of the original Armada was destroyed. Queen Elizabeth's decisive defeat of the Invincible Armada made England a world-class naval power and introduced effective long-range weapons in the naval warfare for the first time, ending the era of boarding and close-quarter fighting. 1588, Defeat of the Spanish Armada. Stock futures were lower in early morning trading this morning after the Dow Jones Industrial Average experience got creamed, biggest one-day drop since 2020. Futures of the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell, well, they're down about 291 points right now. S&P futures are down 1.24%, and NASDAQ down one5 The moves after hours uh, following a steep market sell-off on Wednesday as big box retail earnings indicated that inflation was taking a bite out of corporate profits. Back-to-back -back quarterly reports from Target and Walmart showed higher fuel costs and restrained consumer demand, hurting results amid the hottest inflation in decades. The Dow Jones dropped 1,100 points in the average's biggest decline since 2020. The blue chip average closed its lowest level since March 2021. This is a continuing narrative that we're going to be meaningfully lower this year in stocks before we find bottoms. This is according to Guggenheim Partners uh, Chief Global Investment Officer Scott Mirid. Uh, the sell-off on Wednesday was broad with about uh, 11 S&P 500 sectors Closing down, the consumer discretionary stocks were the hardest hit, down 6.6%. Investors will get more corporate earnings to parse through today when companies like uh, BJ's Wholesale, Kohl's, Applied Materials, and Ross on deck. Initial jobless claims are also slated for release today, so we'll see how this all comes out. But it's not looking good. People are saying, hey, we've got the same amount of money, same number of dollars, but they're losing value, so we have to figure out how to spend them. We have to have fuel, so we're spending less on Target and uh, 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 Walmart. That's just how it works, unfortunate. 
Well, President Joe Biden announced Wednesday he was going to invoke the Defense Production Act to ramp up the production of baby formula after months of failing to address the crisis. The White House released a video of Biden speaking from the Oval Office and reassuring parents that he understood that they were worried about their children. It only took a couple of months. Biden's action took place after 20 Democrats and Republicans led by Representative Josh Gottheimer introduced a resolution urging the president to act. The president issued a memo to Secretary of Health and Human Services Xavier Becerra invoking the act, even though he insisted his administration had been working on it for months. Biden had announced he would direct HHS and the Department of Agriculture to use planes from the Defense Department to help import more formula from overseas. The president acknowledged in his memo that the formula was critical for infants in the United States. So they've been hungry for a couple of months, Mr. President. It took a while to do that. It took a stroke of the pen from you, but uh, the shelves are bare, and babies don't have formula. Maybe this will get the job done. But again, a slow reaction, not anticipating where the ball is going to go, unfortunate for, uh, for uh, the United States of America and parents of little ones. Nina Jankowitz, named executive director of the Department of Homeland Security's Information Disinformation Governance Board, announced her resignation yesterday with the board's work paused. It's future uncertain. I have decided to leave DHS to return to my work in the public sphere, she said. It's deeply disappointing that mischaracterizations of the board became a distraction from the uh, department's vital work and indeed along with recent events globally and nationally embodies what is necessary i maintain my commitment to building awareness of disinformation threats and trust the department will do the same uh alejandro mayorkas uh the dhs secretary on april 27th announced the department was creating a new board designed to counter misinformation related to domestic domestic security uh, republicans immediately took issue with Jan- jankowitz who had a history of partisan posts on social media that may have themselves spread disinformation, such as calling the New York Post's initial October 2020 story on Hunter Biden's laptop Russian disinformation and false. She also fueled allegations stemming from the since-discredited Steele dossier has been promoted other baseless Trump-Russia collusion claims. Senator Tom Cotton uh, led a group of Republican senators who introduced legislation would kill the board by hit prohibiting federal dollars funding it. Nina Jankowitz has been subjected to unjustified and vile personal attacks and physical threats, a DHS spokesperson told the Post in a statement. In congressional hearings and in media interviews, the secretary has repeatedly defended her, eminently qualified and underscored the importance of the department's defor- disinformation work, and it will continue to do so. <laughs> They're, the spread. They're closing down the Disinformation Bureau because of disinformation about the Bureau. Scratch your head on that one. That's kind of weird. DHS employees and Capitol Hill staffers told the Post that Jankowitz has been set up to fail by an administration that was unsure of its messaging and unprepared to deal with the criticism surrounding her. Well, let's hope that this is dead forever. They say it's a pause, but it should be killed. This whole idea of disinformation, this is right out of 1984 and Animal Farm, quite frankly. And who would believe it here in the United States? While President uh, Donald Trump is hailing an 85-3 to record on his true social account after Tuesday night's primaries, President Joe Biden is about to take a loss with his first endorsed candidate, He's called Schrader a strong and consistent voice in his first endorsement of the 2022 midterm primary season. Oregon voters instead are overwhelmingly siding with his opponent. While Biden has chosen to mostly stay out of Democrat primaries, a loss would couple with the fact that the Republicans note that unpopular Democrat candidates like Texas gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke, Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, and Ohio State uh, Senator uh, nominee Tim Ryan are avoiding campaigning with the sitting Democrat president and in their high-profile races. Midterms tend to be a slog for sitting presidents, and the turnout is favoring Republicans. In Pennsylvania, Republicans have a higher turnout than Democrats in primary elections for the first time since 2012. A GOP turnout is 75% higher than in 2018. How about that? That's despite Democrats outnumbering registered Republicans in the state by more than a half a million voters. Some of the low turnout might be explained away by the fact that Democrat gubernatorial nominee Joseph Josh Shapiro uh, ran unopposed. In North Carolina on Tuesday night, the GOP primary votes were nearly 2020 presidential election cycle levels, which is noteworthy for a midterm cycle. Total votes cast are about 86 percent higher than the 
uh, 18 midterms in the state. That's pretty impressive. No one has done more to help the cartels than President Biden with his embrace of radical open border policies. Uh, This according to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he said on Wednesday, noting that Americans are bracing for the administration's repeal of the Title 42 and warning that his administration plans to bus illegal immigrants dumped in Florida to Delaware. Right there, you can take them right to Bethany or to Rehoboth Beach. Americans are bracing for the Biden administration and the Trump era of Title 42 at its southern border, which allowed agents to more easily turn illegal immigrants away. Last week, the federal judge in Louisiana extended the temporary restraining order, preventing the Biden administration from ending the rule. DeSantis said almost 2.5 million people have illegally crossed the border since Biden became president, emphasizing how the impacts the quality of life for American people. Here's what DeSantis had to say about it. What does this mean in terms of quality of life for Americans? Well, you know, we've been seeing record human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, such as now the, the number one cause of death for people 18 to 45 in the United States of America in fentanyl overdose, he explained. They may be uh, making it in China, but they are bringing it all right across the southern border because of, uh, well, that's what they're doing now. Even as bad as those numbers are, they have been uh, done with Title 42 in place, he said. Can you, uh, he's predicted an even greater wave of illegal immigrants once Title 42 is removed. You're going to see a major flood of people going across the southern border, and we've, we've taken action, he said, recalling how Florida sent assistance last year to Texas as they dealt with the migrant crisis in their own backyard. DeSantis also criticized Biden's uh, embrace of catch and release, noting that Florida took legal action over it. The governor said he plans to sign a bill in the next few weeks that will continue to fight the Biden administration open border policies. I'm also going to sign a bill that here in the next couple of weeks that any of these contractors that federal government hires to dump illegal aliens in Florida, then those contractors forfeit the ability to do business with the state or with local communities. And we're not uh, we're not just going to uh, do it, he said, adding the administration will bus illegal immigrants to Delaware and elsewhere if Biden attempts to dump illegal immigrants in the sunshine state. I have the money from the legislature, which will be available starting in June, so that if Biden is busing illegal here, uh, we're going to get him out of here and send him to Delaware. So stay tuned on that, he said. Uh, You know, those border communities are just getting killed down in southern Texas, DeSantis said. Biden should be given an honorary membership to the Mexican drug cartels because nobody's done more to help the cartels than Biden with his open border policies. It's been a disaster, I fear, with Title 42. If If they do repeal it, I think... They're fixing to get things even worse, he said. Well, thank you, Governor DeSantis. Again, very proud of the decisions he's making. He's making great decisions. It's acting as a firewall against the absurdity of what's happening in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can download the app and find out more by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance works to help your children, that means children all across Florida, have the very best educational opportunities possible. We look for solutions to the problems people bring to our attention, and we apply those solutions at every level necessary. And we believe we can all, working together, helping parents and teachers empower themselves to bring about much-needed change and huge improvements to allow our children to go to school in a safe, trouble-free environment that really launches them into life. So that's what we do. We find solutions to help your kid learn. Yeah, and uh, you're doing a fantastic job of it. I encourage our listeners to visit the website, goflca.com, goflca.com, and find out about the great works of the Florida Citizens Alliance because having a major impact on the quality of education. And by the way, we should congratulate the seniors who are graduating this year in spite of all the obstacles to learning that I believe exist, including the pandemic. Uh, These these, uh, people are young men and women have a right to be proud. Absolutely. And and we know that there are problems in schools and we hear about those. And, and because we try to solve them, that sometimes gets too much of our attention. But we have a lot of good students out there that have worked hard for their 12 years in school. They've, they've spent the time, they've stayed up late or gotten up early, and they've written the tests, they've written the term papers, they've done all of the things, completed the laboratory experiments, all those things that go into to learning and to, to achieving graduation from high school. And we need to congratulate those students. We do not want to minimize their work, their hard work, and their achievement. We think that's absolutely terrific, and we're happy for graduation as well. Yeah, we're pleased about the, the many of the teachers who are just top shelf, just great, uh, dedicated people helping these students learn. So for the ones that aren't promoting critical race theory. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> There are a lot of teachers that that they care about the kids. They get caught in the middle of some of this stuff. They know what the kids need to do to learn, and they work to help them, sometimes in spite of the obstacles that that the system has put in place. So, yeah, we, we think this is this graduation is kind of a, a congratulations to teachers as well because they, they need to be recognized for helping get these students to the place they are today. And by the way, I understand that uh, you're getting some good press uh, from, uh, was it the Orlando Sentinel? Well, I, good press is an interesting way to describe it. In some ways, it was. Uh, in other ways, people were kind of a little concerned with what they wrote. But on Sunday's newspaper, the Orlando Sentinel featured a front page above the fold article, and they started the article with by talking about the Florida Citizens Alliance. And it's very interesting when I was reading that article to notice that they were upset that people were involved in their child's education. (laughs) They were upset that groups like ours, and we're just one of several across Florida, were actually becoming effective in advocating for much needed change in our schools. 
And, and they seemed upset that parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles would actually care about that and want to talk to the schools. You know, that one person said to me, it's, it's kind of like they don't really appreciate all of your input and in trying to help make the student's life better. And, and I thought that's exactly right. For too long, parents all across Florida have said to us, every time they have a problem with the school, the school just pushes them away as though they don't want to hear from them and, and tries to marginalize their influence. And now that we're seeing parents step up and speak out, some of the school establishment isn't real happy about that. Some of our more progressive, shall we say, politely uh, detractors are not happy about that. They seem to think that we should let them do whatever they want in our schools and the parents and the grandparents, the aunts and uncles should be quiet. Well, we're not going to be quiet. And we appreciate the Orlando Sentinel noticing that we're becoming effective and we're influencing policy all across the state because we're determined to do just that. Absolutely. In fact, uh, we now have a parental uh, bill of rights here in the state of Florida. I mean, we might scratch your head and say, why do we need a parental bill of rights? Well, it's because many of the progressives want to treat those kids in schools as if they're their kids, the government kids, uh, uh, in response, uh, the government having responsible responsibility for them as opposed to the parents. The parents are the moral influence of these kids and need to have uh, control ultimate control. So uh, school choice is a big deal. And by the way, as I understand it, then now's a good time to be thinking about hope scholarships. Exactly right. You know, a lot, a lot of parents are taking a look at their child and their education environment and asking themselves, can we do better? Or recognizing that they're not really happy with where their child is. Well, a lot of people aren't aware of it. I mean, I'm surprised almost every month how many people aren't aware of the hope scholarship. But when your child has a has an incident of some kind at school, maybe intimidation, maybe threat. It might come from another student. It might come from a teacher. Uh, people just do things they shouldn't do from time to time, and it impacts our kids. If your child comes home from school and talks about some kind of intimidation or threat or even a physical altercation, that's a qualifying incident for the Hope Scholarship. And parents need to take a look at the Hope Scholarship and use that to help your child get into a better spot. It's very simple. You go to the principal, you report what happened to your child, harassment, threat, intimidation, and that principal is obligated by law to complete the Hope Scholarship notification form. It's a very simple one-page form. They're obligated to complete that form and to sign it and give you the original copy of that form because you just notified them of an incident. That's the point, Hope Scholarship notification form. That form then allows you, if you choose as their parent, to apply for the HOPE Scholarship, which is a maybe up to $8,000. It depends on the county and the circumstance, but it gives you a scholarship paid for by the state of Florida to enroll your child in the school of your choice. A private school, a Christian school, your choice, you can enroll your child and the state of Florida will help you pay for that. And that's huge because this is the time of the year when parents could get that hope scholarship notification form in hand and use it for next year. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to change schools in the middle of an academic year than it is at the beginning. So parents need to check that out. There's great information on our website, goflca.org, and they can click on the links there and it helps them. We would be glad to help them. I talked to a parent just this week in Lee County that was having trouble because the school wasn't issuing the form. Well, we're going to get that solved. There's no doubt. And parents need to take advantage of that for their ch children. It's a great gift to the people of Florida. Well, thank you for that, uh, Pastor Rick. And again, the Hope Scholarship is, is, is a great resource. It's certainly we need to get the word out more to parents so that they understand they have these options. It's really all about parental choice and school choice and getting the best possible education for each and every child. Again, the Florida Citizens Alliance, the website is goflca.com or org, goflca.com is the website. Check it out and make a contribution, by the way. Pastor Rick, uh, Keith Law, uh, other people, they work tirelessly for at, at, for nothing. I mean, they, they literally take all of the expenses out of their own pockets, so uh, we need to support their efforts. I really appreciate you coming on the show, Pastor Rick. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up. We're going to visit with Michael Cannon. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more.
of the Bob Harton Show, here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He's the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Uh, the Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Uh, we are uh, neither of the right nor the left, neither Republican nor Democratic. We advance the ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace uh, in all areas of human endeavor, which means that uh, sometimes uh, the Republicans agree with us and at other times the Democrats agree with us, but we are basically the only people in Washington, D.C. who take a consistent stand in favor of individual liberty. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, Michael, there's a a push, uh, I think, a push to expand Medicaid, to continue to expand the government intervention into health care, which, in my opinion, is not helpful at all. In fact, it just uh, causes greater more and more expense uh, for the consumer. And, and we have this uh, health insurance, that's, that uh, group insurance, primarily brought about by government action, price controls back in the, uh, during the Great Depression. Uh, where do we stand now? Are we moving in the right direction? Unfortunately not. So uh, if you look at the history of health policy and healthcare reform in the United States. What you see is one government failure leading to more government intervention and more government failure, always with the goal of making healthcare and health insurance more affordable or improving the quality of health insurance or medical care, but always having the opposite of its intended effect so that not only does, does an initial intervention uh, increase the cost of health care and reduce the quality of care, but then when government uh, senses those problems and goes into trying to fix it with more intervention, we get even higher costs and even uh, uh, an even bigger negative impact on quality. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. The, and this has to do with a paper we're releasing at the Cato Institute next week. Back when Congress created the income tax 
1913. No one was thinking about health policy. No one was trying to reform health care. But the income tax was so complicated that when the Treasury Department bureaucrats went to implement it, they had to make this decision about, okay, what if employers pay their workers partly with health benefits? What are, are we going to subject that to the income tax? And if we do, how are we going to do that? How are we going to value those benefits so we know how much to tax each individual worker? They threw up their hands and they said, it's too complicated. We're, we're not going to tax health benefits. What that did was that gave us this system of employer-sponsored health insurance hmm. that we have right now, hmm. where if you don't let your employer control say $16,000 of your compensation and use it to choose and buy and control your health insurance, then if you take that $16,000 as cash, you have to pay taxes on it. That creates a huge tax penalty if you don't let someone else control your health insurance. And so now we've got employers controlling $1 trillion of workers' earnings and uh, doing not a very good job of it because nobody spends other people's uh, money as, as right. carefully as they spend their own. And we have that that tax penalty on individual control of health insurance has made health care more expensive. It's made health insurance more expensive. It's also made the quality of health insurance worse because a lot of people lose their coverage after they get sick and have to leave a job or can't work anymore. And all along the way, ever since 1913, this has been increasing the cost of health care, reducing the quality of health insurance. And Congress has intervened again and again to try to fix those problems that it created. But every time it does, it just makes those problems worse. What a great summary. I, I, that, I was not aware of that. That is so fascinating. Now, so we really have an uneven uh, playing field. And quite frankly, group insurance doesn't always address the needs of individual workers. They, some uh, perhaps would want a uh, cat catastrophic care type of policy because they're in good health and don't and single or whatever. And others perhaps might want the, the, full, <laughs> the full load of uh, benefits because of uh, their own personal health situation. So they end up, so everybody gets a size 44 shirt, whether they're size 44 or not. That's right. There's no way that an employer is going to make health plan selections that are going to match the preferences of a, of, of a diverse set of employees. And you don't have to have a big firm to have a diverse set of employees when it comes to right. their preferences for health insurance, for risk and uh, the, the ability to choose their own doctor and so forth. And there have been studies that have shown that if we just let workers control the money their employers control, let them purchase their health plans, the gains from matching workers to the health plans they prefer would be tremendous yeah. and would swamp any costs that would come from the tra transition. So my guess is you'd be in favor of uh, ditching Obamacare. You'd be in favor of uh, making all health insurance tax deductible, level the playing field for all workers, whether they happen to be in a group plan or not, uh, and uh, uh, let people make their own decisions with regard to their health care. Ultimately, yes. If you keep health insurance tax deductible, though, then what you're doing is you're saying, if you buy health insurance, or at least the health insurance the government says you should buy, then you pay lower taxes. But if you don't buy the health insurance the government requires, then you have to pay higher taxes. Ultimately, that's, that's basically a mandate. Uh -huh. Ultimately, what you want is for the government not to give any special tax treatment to any forms of consumption, because when the government does that... Uh -huh. It is picking winners and losers in the economy. It is inviting special interest lobbying and red seeking. And it is uh, holding back economic growth and prosperity, the best engine that we have for lifting people out of poverty. So ultimately, what I would prefer is you can get rid of all of these special tax preferences by getting rid of the income tax. I think that <laughs> the income tax was a mistake that uh, that uh, the Congress should correct, but that doesn't seem to be on the table right now. At a minimum, Congress should eliminate these special tax preferences for health care that would return $1 trillion of workers' earnings to the people who earned it, and they would spend it much better than their employers. Are yeah, you know, I'm not sure how popular it would be for uh, the Congress to all of a sudden make a decision that uh, your health benefits are no longer tax deductible through, through the workplace. So <laughs> It's a tough sell. But I, I get your point, and I think it's a great point. What, just out of curiosity, it's not really in the... Uh, in, in your uh, 
uh, sweet spot. But uh, what uh, would you be in favor of a flat tax? Or what, how, how would you prefer the government to raise money? A flat tax would be much better than what we have right now. A flat tax doesn't have any special deductions, exemptions, whatever. Everybody pays a uh, the same low rate. And you're right. If you just took away people's you know, the exclusion is what we call it for employer-sponsored insurance, so that people had to pay taxes on their uh, on their employee health benefits. That would be a tax increase. People would resist. That's what that's what makes it politically infeasible right now. I mean, Congress tried to do this with something in Obamacare with something called the Cadillac tax. They tried to just take away a part of that tax exclusion, and they came back years later and repealed it because it was so unpopular. But there is a way to do this without increasing taxes on really anyone. If you expand health savings accounts, which are tax-free accounts that let workers control their health savings ah. uh, without tax penalty, then uh, if you expand those the right way, then everyone involved gets a large net tax cut. They may pay a little, some, a small percentage of people might pay a little more to the IRS, but they would gain control over a much larger sum of money that their employers currently control so that they would end up with more control over their incomes, not less. And I count that as a tax cut. And that would be uh, uh, contributions to a health savings account would be tax deductible? That's right, just as they are right now. Not just deductible. Deductible means they don't apply toward your income taxes, but excludable as uh, a fancy tax term, it means that it applies uh, neither to your your income tax base nor your payroll tax base, ah. which for many people is the steeper tax. That is so interesting. Again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your insights and commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted 
in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm opposed to all four of those things you just listed. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Because, I. well, in fact, your mission is less government. I, I think you've got to be, probably got the best name for any company in the world. Your, your, <laughs> the name of your company actually describes what you're looking for. So uh, it's it's great. The late Norm MacDonald said the best joke is where the question and the punchline are identical. So that's that was my thinking behind naming less government. Well, what's the name? What do you do? Okay, thank you. Yeah, it pretty well tells the whole story. It's a, it, however, it's a big mission, and it's a steep hill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so uh, you wrote a great column, Biden Mirrors Trump uh, Trade. D.C. made protectionism a bad word, and it's not. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yes. Um, you know, I, I finally realized, you know, I even caught myself wincing when someone accused me of being protectionist. And then I went, Wait, wait a minute. Why am I? And it's because we've been inculcated in that for 50 years for, by, by D.C. and all the globalists. And I grew I was born and raised in Alexandria uh, outside D.C. And so I've been, you know, swampified from the beginning. And, I, you know, it, it always bothers me when I when I reacted that way, because I'm like, that's that's mental weakness. Don't respond like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you think about it. What is protect? What is the root word? Protect. What do you do? What to protect? To to to, to try to prevent something from being destroyed. That's what protection is. Protect. And that's what we're trying to do with America: is not let globalist billionaire businessmen pull all our businesses out of this country and plant them elsewhere in order to, you know, raise their stock point a half percent. And and that's been going on for 50 years, and it's got to stop. And there were little embers of protectionism all along. Uh, ironically, uh, Pat Buchanan was a Nixon alum, and Nixon started all this with his trip to China in 72. And Pat Buchanan's been a longtime advocate for you know, ending this, fighting against this ridiculous trade policy. Um, I, I've apologized posthumously to Ross Perot. The giant sucking sound was him describing NAFTA, uh, sucking jobs out of America and into Mexico. And hey, he was right and I was a moron. Um, uh, up to Trump and Trump all along the way. I keep going back to this 1988 clip of him on the Oprah Winfrey show mm-hmm. saying, you know, go try trade with China. There's no laws against it. They just won't let you. You know, we, we take all the stuff they send us, no import limits, no tariffs, nothing. And they won't take anything of ours. And they're undercutting our businesses here in the United States. Yep. That was 1988. Yep. And it, when he announced in 2016, 30, 28 years later, geez, the exact same trade policy. He was advocating way back when. So he he implemented it. I, I, I ran the numbers in 2019. In two years, he'd imposed or $42 billion in tariffs and increased the GDP of the country from 20 to $22 trillion. Hmm. Amazing. And that was, And it was the first time real wages had risen for the lower and middle class in 50 years. The and- first time. And they, they raised substantially. And it's because uh, it's not just trade. Don't get me wrong. It's reductions in regulations and reductions in taxes. Your policy has to be making it as friendly as possible for businesses to stay here. That means less taxes, less regulations, and and not undermining your domestic producers with subsidized crap from overseas. And that's what Trump did. And what's funny is, I don't know if it's benign neglect, but... Or just he doesn't care about the issue. Biden's done nothing about trade. Well, you know, I, I read I read that he's he's considering getting rid of the tariffs against China. Well, he's being asked to. Ah. And I, I read his his administration's responses to being, well, well we're looking at that. We're we're going to expedite the process. It's it, it, they're non denial denials. I think I think they're saying no without saying no. Uh huh. 
um, uh, because oh, we're examining that. You know, we're re-examining that. We're we're, we're expediting uh, expediting our examination. But that's does DC speak for? Uh, we don't agree with you. We just don't want to say we hmm. don't agree with you. Uh, the solar panels are one of the issues now that are being considered because a bunch of domestic solar panel companies have relied on Chinese parts. Yep. Well, and like 80% of the 90% of the solar panel parts come from China. And they use coal, they use coal-fired power plants to make them by the way. Oh the irony. And <laughs> so Trump imposed a 30% tariff on the panels. So now China's running the parts through four other countries. And then saying the parts come from that country, not China, and they're not subject to the tariff. Uh. So that's, you know, and look, I'm not, a, you and I both agree. We're not big solar panel fans, right. not big green energy fans. I loathe it with every fiber of my being. But this is all part of, if we're going to do something, let's do it here. Mm-hmm. And you can't have foreign governments cheating the system, whether it's with subsidies, which China does, and and again, we're we're not just talking about solar panels here. We're talking about pretty much everything, subsidies, you know. And then we 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 figure out they're subsidizing. We respond properly with tariffs, and then they circumnavigate. You know, they circumvent the tariffs by running them through other countries. Well, no, you we have to again remain vigilant and say no, you can't do that, and we'll just tariff those four countries too. And it's the domestic there's domestic solar panel companies that make their crap here, and they're like, well, we like these tariffs because. We'll go out of business without them. Yeah. And the question is, do you care about the companies with the most jobs in America going out of business or the companies with the least jobs going out of business? I prefer the latter. Right. Absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and uh, president of Less Government. Just That's great commentary, Seton. It makes all the sense in the world. You can visit Less Government at lessgovernment.org and also on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting 
thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, my pleasure. Uh, weather's getting warmer. Uh, town is getting emptier. Um, <laughs> but when we we look around, boy, I'll tell you, you can't. You just you you can't open the paper or or turn on the the television without some kind of uh, mess going on. You you agree? Oh, I do agree, indeed. As you know, it just reminds me when I was a kid, when in high school, I read 1984 and Animal Farm, and I'm saying to myself, boy, it seems to be uh, this. They're digging up this stuff and you, <laughs> yeah, using I, stuff. I, I've seen some reference to that Orwell. Uh, uh, who was that? Wells or whatever? Yeah. Uh, um, I saw a reference to that yeah. 1984 thing, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. We, uh, of course have roots in Buffalo and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of friends and family up there and we go there and, uh, that was just so, that was just really just another one to add on to uh. the, to the craziness that goes on in, in this country. I, Buffalo's, I mean, a great city, and they've already, you know, just stepped up to the plate and doing some amazing things. The whole Bills team was down there yesterday, and uh, they, they, you know, money is coming in to help the people there, but it doesn't bring them back. No, it sure doesn't. Uh, just a shame. The guy was just uh, obviously a, uh, mentally ill, and uh, that, that, I guess the real issue here is how do we pay attention to and recognize the people that are screaming out for help in one way or another and not getting the help they need? Right, right, and and you know I've said it for years, Bob. Um, when they when people have asked, you know, what do you think? What do you think we need? And and I think we need, and I keep saying it, um, more mental health counselors and people and whatever. But the only way you're going to get them is, is you know, if the, if the if our kids are taking those uh, uh, courses in college and uh, mm-hmm. turning them out. I mean, because um, I I don't see. I don't see how to resolve it. I mean, you look at the David Lawrence Center and some of the wonderful facilities we have here. I mean, they're jammed to the hilt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know, Bill, I think there's another there's another solution, and it's uh, as a community, we sometimes ignore the problems around us because it's not necessarily our problem, so to speak. Uh, there oh, is, that's so true. There, there are telltale signs we can all see it in other people's kids or in in, in situation. You know, we act need to be a more caring community. In other words, not meddle in other people's business, but we ought to you know recognize the problem when it exists and and. Uh, do something about it. Talk to the parents. Talk, right. you know, uh, it just right. doesn't happen enough. No, um, no, you're, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And, but yet when you start to do that or you notice something and then you get a label, you know, uh, mind your own business and, uh, yeah. uh, don't be a busybody. It's not your business. It's my business. And, you know, so you end up right, you kind of end up right back where you started from, you know, well, that's certainly a possibility. On the other hand, it takes courage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sure does. It sure does. Yeah. Um, so, so well, any uh, good scoop in, in uh, Belinda asked me, my wife asked me to ask you about, uh, do we know anything about what's happening on 3rd Street South in the building in this new hotel? Uh, oh, okay. You mean you mean the, uh, well, I think he's holding up on it for a while. Hmm. Uh, um, that was the latest that I heard. Uh, Camelier, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, uh, I believe that they're going to build it, but then again, we've been hearing that forever. But um, I think that he's holding up a little bit because of, you know, what's going on um, uh, all around. But um, as far as I know, Bob, it's uh, not on the for sale block, and uh, they are going to build it. So I just don't know when. It's kind of interesting because uh, it, things are just getting more and more expensive. I, I can't I can't imagine the price of this project going down as a result of what's happening with inflation and everything that's happening. So, kind of an interesting oh, choice. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, um, uh, I mean, just all over the. I mean, just everywhere. And you know, another interesting thing um, for you know, I mean, if you look at the car industry, something that I follow closely. Um, you, you can't find any cars. I mean, the prices are are um, are insane because they can't dealers can't get them. Yeah, they're, they're not getting cars because of those you know the chip situation, and uh, so we go from automobiles to baby milk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And it's it's really sad because you know uh, now consumers are making their decisions. You know, used to have uh, 
Uh, I used to have beef, and now I'm going to settle for vegetables. I used to uh, be able to drive my car to work every day. Now I'm going to look for carpooling car uh, and that kind of thing. I guess people are making the decisions, and all of a sudden Walmart and, uh, and, and Target are suffering from their earnings. And, and it's understandable because people just don't have the money to spend anymore. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I noticed it. I noticed it at Publix because I go there all the time, and I noticed a couple of things that I bought, and I came home. I said, I said to Chris, "Man, you know, even though it was four or five dollars more, I, I noticed it. It's like, and people that are really struggling will certainly, certainly notice that. Um, yeah. I mean, and it makes a, it, it has an effect on their daily life. So." I don't know. Uh, I think we need a change in in uh, the government. What do you think? Well, I think we ought to have a we ought to have free markets and uh, <laughs> private enterprise. Uh, we have the right now the government meddling too much in things, and the consequences uh, we're getting rid of uh, fossil based fuels. Well, what's that doing? Yeah. It's driving up the price of everything, including, I mean, now now truckers are paying in a huge price in order to get diesel. So that's going to drive up the price of goods. I'm not a yeah, big I'm not a big fan of this green energy business, and uh, I tell you, it's it's costing us way too much for very little benefit, if any. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I think that one of the things of like you know, I don't know. It's probably way too late to to start. You know, like that pipeline was a really big thing. Yeah, I mean, be producing our own our own fuels, and uh, uh, and 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 this problem would be would be cut. Tremendously. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that can still be done uh, to, uh, to to get us back, and yet it just doesn't seem to be happening. Well, it's not happening because there, there's no will to do it. The, the, what I think the uh, the whole notion is that we expected the price of fuel to go up for, through this green energy. Now the prices are up, and people are not happy about it. And this administration, instead of saying we're going to solve the problem, go back to uh, to fossil-based fuels, they're basically saying, or carbon-based fuels, basically saying we're going to double down. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, yeah. Which is just... Yeah, you know. But but Naples and and then you know somebody said to me the other day and I know it's we don't have time but somebody said to me the other day I see the prices are dropping in Naples and I looked at him and I said oh really would you mind telling me or showing me where they're dropping yeah uh, because uh, they were talking about real estate and now that they they said there's more houses on the market and I I think that's a sign and I'm I look at him and I said well. I see you're entitled to your opinion, but I don't see any uh, I don't see any bargains out there uh, on the home market. Have you heard of any of those? Well, I certainly haven't, and I think people are still thinking about uh, Naples as a destination and a place to change to, to uh, live. You know, we have a, a great governor, we have a great economy, and right. uh, I think the uh, demand for property here in Naples is just as high as it was before. So there may yeah. be more people thinking they want to cash in and, and sell, but uh, you know, I don't know. Just uh, it's kind I of see, crazy. I I see that my status is gone forever. When we were when I remember when I was Mayor Baba, we were happiest, healthiest uh, um, city in the United States. Well, that that's gone. I blame that on the current administration. <laughs> well, but, I think I think we slipped to twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but. Uh, my feelings were hurt when I saw that. <laughs> well, I think, I think, quite frankly, I, I recognize what you're saying. I think it's uh, really the cost of real estate is as uh, really the biggest thing that affected the the outcome of that. So, uh, I think we're still the happiest and healthiest place in the United States, even with the current yeah. administration. <laughs> Bill yeah, Barnett again, our, our our former mayor. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so well, much. Well, I I love being on the show, Bob, and you have a great one. Okay. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show, including uh, William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author. We'll visit, always look forward to his commentary. Phil Kirpin is the uh, president of American Commitment, and we're going to visit with Phil as well as Kimberly uh, Boubier, 
and Kimberly is a candidate for school board here in Collier County. So I look forward to our conversation with her as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. And uh, do uh, tell your friends about the show and uh, visit our sponsors. I know they'll appreciate that as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.